Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Science, Solutions, and Sprinkles with Sarah Jane. Today, I'm here to offer you a food poisoning crash course. I'm always surprised when I teach the Preventive Controls for Qualified Individuals course to people when I ask how many people have experienced food poisoning, not a lot of hands go up. There's always the few people who have that really memorable story, and I have a few memorable stories of my own where I've experienced food poisoning, but I'm always surprised that people don't associate that illness that they get, they may call it a 24-hour flu or something like that, but they don't associate it with food that they may have prepared or eaten out. So first, let's define some things as usual. Food spoilage um, is not associated with human diseases. So if we're talking about food spoilage, we're talking about the organoleptic, so something rotting. This is something that you can see, you can smell, you can taste, you can feel, or any combo of these. So again, food spoilage is not associated with human disease. That moldy tomato is not going to make you sick unless that mold has produced a mycotoxin. So we'll get into that. Food poisoning. So with food poisoning, your food may not look spoiled. It may not undergo observable changes. So when we look at foodborne diseases, there are two types. There are food infections and there are food intoxications. So in a food infection, the disease organism is carried through the food to the host. You, you are the host. The human is the host. Where it invades the tissues and grows to numbers large enough to cause disease. So your body actually incubates the bacteria once you ingest it. In a food intoxication, the causative organism grows in the food and produces a chemical substance in the food that is toxic to the human. So to define those, again, the food infection is the bacteria or the amoeba or the parasite causing the disease in you. In a food intoxication, it's already made the toxin. You can't cook it out of it. I'll go over these definitions a few more times as I walk you through some of the bacterias or amoebas or protozoa that cause food infections or food intoxications. Another term I need to define before we get started is the incubation period. And the incubation period is the time after ingesting the organisms until the symptoms are evident. So how long after you eat something are you going to feel terrible? Let's dive in. Salmonella, salmonellaosis, salmonellosis. I'm going to butcher a lot of these terms. So look it up, Google it phonetically, and you should be able to find it. But salmonellosis is caused by salmonella. The symptoms of having ingested salmonella are abdominal pain, diarrhea, chills, frequent vomiting, and prostration. The incubation period for salmonella is between 7 to 72 hours. Again, incubation period is when your symptoms begin. So after 7 hours after eating, up to 3 days after eating, uh, you will start to feel terrible. Salmonella can be caused by a ton of things. There are more than 2,000 types of salmonella, and people who have had salmonella poisoning or salmonellosis can actually shed salmonella in their feces for up to 12 weeks. Another fun fact, typhoid fever is caused by a strain of salmonella, and in the case of typhoid, just one bacteria cell can cause it. One little bacteria of the salmonella typhoidosis or typhoid, I can't remember how to say it, but that can cause that typhoid fever. 
The good news about salmonella is that it is not spore forming and it's not especially heat resistant. So if you cook your food to 145 degrees, instantly salmonella is killed. And if you cook it at lower temps for longer periods, it's also killing that bacteria. Next one I want to talk about is shigellosis, which is sometimes called bacillary dysentery, and that's caused by shigella. The symptoms of shigellosis are diarrhea with bloody stools, abdominal cramps, and some fever. There are less known species of shigella, but its incubation incubation period is up to seven days. The average incubation for shigellosis is about four days. It's transmitted via water, so anything that contains water. So if they're using poor water or infected water or contaminated water, however you want to say it, in preparing something, you are going to get it, um, unless there's heat involved. So Shigella is also sensitive to heat. Its magic number is 137 degrees. So as long as you get to that heat point, which most foods you are cooking past that, then you'll be good. Next food infection, vibriosis, which is caused by the bacterium Vibrio parahemoeticus. If you think of Vibrio, I want you to think of seafood. The symptoms are abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting with diarrhea, and occasional blood and mucus in the stools. And in about 60 to 70% of the cases, they'll have a mild fever, so up one to two degrees. It's also found in seawater, but it is also heat sensitive, so cook your food and you'll be good. I think this is a good time to tell my famous seafood story. I went to a wedding that was down in Laguna Beach. One of my cousins got married, big, beautiful rooftop wedding. About three days later, I was at school. I was in college at the time, and I was walking across campus, and I was not feeling so great after biochemistry, and I knew that I was not going to make it to my next class. I ran into the bathroom to realize all the stalls were full. I turned and tried to make it to the bathroom sink because there was no holding this in, and I accidentally threw up all over some girl's flip-flops. So can you imagine food poisoning, A, and B, throwing up on some girl's flip-flops? I barely made it off campus that day because I could not keep anything down. Well, there was a seafood buffet at the wedding, and about half of the wedding party got sick. So it actually got recorded as as a food outbreak because of this caterer. We were waiting for the sun to set, so a lot of the food sat out. And then obviously buffet, there's lots of hands involved. People serving themselves may not have the cleanest hands. And it was quite the experience. But the story gets better because about six months later, after having this terrible food poisoning and throwing up on a a girl uh, that I don't know, um, I was speaking with a coworker and he mentioned this story that he had about his new girlfriend telling him about how she had been thrown up on at school. So full circle, the story came back to me. Terrible, terrible, but hilarious at the same time. Uh, Seafood is a big culprit, and you'll see that as we go through some more of these. So more food infections. Cholera, which is caused by the bacterium Vibrio cholerae. Again, usually in drinking water. It's not really common in the U.S. anymore. The symptoms of it include diarrhea, watery stools, vomiting, prostration, and eventually it causes dehydration. So if you remember, you know, playing any of those, like I think of the Oregon Trail game, I think, do you die from cholera or do you die from dysentery? Um, But 
all of that losing of fluids eventually causes dehydration because you just can't keep fluids in orally. So trichinosis, this is the first one that's not bacterial, um, but actually microscopic microscopic roundworm. The microscopic roundworm is called trichinella spiralisis. You'll find it in pork or wild game, anything that eats trash. Um, if you eat a whole lot of larvae, like you get a really bad dose of one, it'll cause nausea and vomiting and diarrhea that you'll get about one to four days after you eat the food. If you only eat a few larvae, as in you don't even know it, your initial symptoms may be absent. You won't get that vomiting and diarrhea and nausea. But seven days after intake of the larvae, uh, you'll get larvae that are produced by the adult worms in your intestines. They'll migrate from your intestines to your muscles. This will start to cause a fever. People will get a fever about 104, so pretty high fever that'll last for a few weeks. And another random symptom is the eyelid swelling due to the accumulation of fluid. Uh, So just keep those things in mind. Once the larvae embed in areas between your muscle fibers, a cyst is formed that becomes calcified. Larvae can remain dormant like this for years. So you could have these little larvae, little roundworms in your muscles and not even know it. The good news, uh, if you cook your food, it's destroyed at about 137 degrees Fahrenheit. Most pork, you're cooking to at least 145. And if you freeze meat for 30 days also, that works as well to kill to kill the larvae. So remember, these are all food infections. The next one I want to talk about is amoebiasis, which is caused by amoeba. Again, like trichinosis, it is not bacterial. And the amoeba histolytical (laughs) causes um, this amoebic dysentery. The incubation period for amoebic dysentery is about two days up to several months. So usually about three to four weeks, you'll start to feel that diarrhea, a varying severity. So it can be very mild up to very severe, some abdominal pain, fatigue, and sometimes it's accompanied by fever. Interesting thing about amoebas is they're actually very contagious from human to human. So you can shed it and give it to someone else. Next food infection, protozoa. If you think of giardia, so surface water has giardia lamblia, causes abdominal cramps, diarrhea, fatigue. People see weight loss, nausea. And this giardia can stick with you for a couple months if you don't get it treated. Good news, boiling water does kill the organism. So if you're going to drink surface water, make sure that it's boiled. It's one of the things they advise when you're going through floods or any type of disaster preparedness. A piece of surface water can harbor protozoa like Giardia lamblia. Other really interesting food infections to mention, red tide shellfish poisoning is a paralytic shellfish poisoning caused by consuming shellfish that have fed on algae. So the algae gonilex cantonella or G. tamarinensis can cause, they produce a toxin that's called saxitoxin that actually causes death in humans within one to two hours after consumption of contaminated fish. So government agencies say you can't harvest, you know, mussels and things like that that are shellfish that are on the shore during a red tide and up to three weeks after the red tide to make sure that the shellfish have metabolized those toxins out of them. Super fascinating. Tuberculosis is also um, foodborne. Uh, brucellus, um, caused by Brucella melatonis. Both tuberculosis and bru- brucellus are commonly caused by milk transfer 
um, or transferred through milk. So if a cow is sick, but pasteurization is all but eliminated this um, as an issue, which you don't really see a lot of tuberculosis anymore. Tapeworms are also considered food infections, listeria monocytogenes, Yersinia enterocolitica, which is also by milk, um, listeria monocytogenes, you may think of cheese or cold cuts, Campylobacter jejuni, E. coli, especially the um, 0157H7, which is hemorrhagic E. coli. Again, the bacteria is actually causing the disease. Bacillus cereus, some people consider it a food infection. Some consider it an intoxication. I think that's still up in the air. So remember that food infections are caused by the bacteria. Food intoxications are caused by something the causative organism produces in the food. So you can't cook it out. So let's talk about food intoxicators. Staphylococcal poisoning. So if you think of, think of staph aureus, it's going to cause nausea, vomiting, abdominal craps, diarrhea, prostration, and that's going to be acute. Those, those symptoms are only going to last for a few hours. And the incubation period is typically one to seven hours or I should say it lasts, it can be one to seven hours. Typically it's three to six hours. So three hours after you eat something, you eat dinner late and then you go to bed and you know, midnight you're vomiting. Um, the toxin is causing the sickness. So the staph aureus is readily destroyed by heat, but the toxin that it produces is not. So all of us has have staph aureus on our skins, on our noses, in our throats, it's really easily to introduce to food through improper food handling. So it's really important to have that temp control. Again, because you can kill the bacteria, but you can't get rid of the toxin. So you want to keep your food below 40 degrees or over 130 degrees. Water activity also makes a difference with Staph aureus on a lot of these items. But again, Staph aureus is really easily introduced and can grow in the food and you can't cook it, the toxin out. Water activity is a big factor, but that's a whole nother podcast. Botulism. So 30% of people who get botulism actually die from it. I used to think it was a higher number, and I think historically it has been a higher number. Toxins produced by Clostridium botulinum can be destroyed by heat. So, but you have to get it up to like boiling. So 212 is the, is the magic number to kill the toxins that are produced by botulism. It also doesn't like acid, but typically what happens in like the case of canned food is that a mold or a something in the canning process makes it to where the pH is changed and then the botulism can grow. So the pH is no longer acidic and that's when the botulism grows. Again, a couple other food intoxications. Be serious has that crossover. Mycotoxins. So as the name suggests, mycotoxins are the things that mold grows. Those mycotoxins can cause illness. Clostridium perfringens is another one that can cause food intoxication. Um, wow. Who's hungry now? I just feel like I went through a whole lot of bacteria and amoebas and protozoa and all these things that can cause food poisoning. I'd love to hear your stories. Share your stories on my blog or wherever you found this link. Remember to wash your hands, don't cross-contaminate, and cook your food thoroughly. If you want to see some cook tables as in how or when bacteria is destroyed, I'm going to share some on my blog along with this. Check out 
sprinkles.com. That's sprinkles with three S's. So S-S-S-P-R-I-N-K-L-E-S.com. And if you go to the blog, you'll find all the resources for time and temperature to kill those things that might make you sick. Thanks for listening.